Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Oh man, I want to just get straight into this today. 2 Kings uh, chapter 20. And we're going to pick up in verse 1. And we're going to be reading about King Hezekiah. It says this, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says. Put your house in order because you're going to die. You will not recover. Who doesn't want a prophetic word like that? I mean, come on. That is the worst prophetic word you could ever receive, isn't it? Put your house in order. You're going to die, and you're not going to recover. Hezekiah, verse 2, turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion I've done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him. Go back and tell Hezekiah, the ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, You will go up to the temple of the Lord. I will add 15 years to your life. Come on, we'll have some of that, eh? And I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Then Isaiah said, prepare a poultice of figs. They did so and applied it to the boil and he recovered. Hezekiah had asked Isaiah, What will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? And that I will go up to the temple of the Lord on the third day from now. Isaiah answered, this is the Lord's sign to you. That the Lord will do what he's promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps? Or shall it go back ten steps? It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps, said Hezekiah. But rather, have it go back Ten steps. Then the prophet Isaiah called on the Lord, and the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps it had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. Amen. God, help me to speak this word today and to encourage every person in this room. I want to talk to you today. The title of this message is The Steps to breakthrough. The steps to breakthrough. How many of you want breakthrough in your lives? Come on. There's always something we need breakthrough for in our lives. And um, actually, the, the messages that I've been bringing on this week and the last couple of weeks really feel actually they tie in together because last week we were looking at the fact of our vulnerability as Christians versus the invincibility of the Spirit of God. Amen. The fact that we can have trouble in this world, we can have difficulties, but even in all the midst of the difficulties, there's eternal glory that far outweighs them all, 2 Corinthians 4.17. And so we, we've got to, sometimes we've got to trust in the Spirit. First of all, the first week, if I was going to do a series on this, the first week we looked at spirit walkers. We looked at what it is to walk in the Spirit, Amen. That is to walk in righteousness. Our righteousness comes from Jesus. It doesn't come from us. It comes from him. So to walk in his righteousness, his holiness, to live that life that the Spirit wants us to, that is away from the flesh and in the Spirit. Amen? So the first week we looked at what it is to walk by the Spirit. Last week we looked at what it is to trust the Spirit of God, the eternal Spirit of God. When things happen... John the Baptist knew that the Spirit of God was always working through and Jesus was about to pick up the baton and run on because it's the Spirit of God that's working, not the flesh. Amen? 
And so this week, I want us to look at what it is to walk with a life of prayer in the Spirit. Amen? You can walk in holiness. You can try to take those steps. You can trust the Spirit of God over your life, but also to walk with a great prayer life. Amen? How many of you know it's important to pray? Verse 1 says this, In those days, Hezekiah became ill. And when I read that, I, I, I thought, well, what days is he referring to? So he's, this is not a good time for King Hezekiah, is it? He gets ill, and it says, in those days. So I want to know, what days is this referring to? Well, if you go back one chapter in 2 Kings 19, you'll see that Hezekiah had just had an amazing victory. He'd had this amazing victory because he'd also had an attack from the enemy. We looked at that last week when the villains in our life cause problems. We can have, you know, we can have sometimes bad things happen from the enemy, but sometimes God allows things to happen too. And so last week we looked at the idea that villains in our life sometimes can cause things to happen that we, we, we feel like we're, tr- we're being defeated, then God comes through and there's this amazing victory. And for Hezekiah, what happened in 2 Kings 19 was that he received a letter from King Sennacherib, who was the king of Assyria, that is uh, from Nineveh and that area. He, he was essentially from that's Iraq. Uh, he was coming from this area to try and attack Hezekiah, but he sends a letter to them and says, this is what's going to happen. In other words, don't trust in the God that you serve. You are not going to get victory. Don't even try to trust him. How many of you know sometimes Satan will try and come and tell you that your God is just not big enough for your circumstance? And, and sometimes you get these words that come into your, into your mind and you may not receive a letter through the post that, that is an attack on your life, but you may receive words that come into your mind that says, you know, your God is just not big enough. How many of you know the name of Jesus is bigger than your circumstance? We've sung it this morning. Verse 14 of 2 Kings 19, the previous chapter. Verse 14 says this. This is, this is in those days. This is the days what Hezekiah was living. It says, Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers. This is from his enemy and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. I just want to say something there. When you ever get anything that you feel is in a major attack from the enemy... What is the first thing he does? He takes it to the temple of the Lord and he spreads the thing out and gives it to God. So many of us, when we get attacks from the enemy, what we do is we hold on to them and, and, and we hold on to these things. Maybe you today, you've got some, maybe you've got something that threatens you and threatens your life. But I want to say to you today that whatever you've got that threatens you, lay it out before God. Spread it out before God and say, God, I can't deal with this on my own. So I, I, I spread this thing out before you. That you would be able to respond to this circumstance. He says he spread it out before the Lord. King Hezekiah then prays. And what happens next is this. He gets this amazing victory. God comes in on his behalf. He hears the prayer. He, he stands up to King Sennacherib. And 185,000 soldiers from the Assyrian army are wiped out in one go. He gets this great win. How many of you sometimes have seasons of great victory and you're living in those days of victory? That's what he was living in. A day of victory. You know, we can, we can be running for God. Seasons of victory. It doesn't seem right that when you're in a season of victory that you get bad news. God, why is it that we're in this season of victory? Why is it I, I've just seen you, you, you come on my behalf. I presented this problem to you and, you and I won the victory over Satan and what he's doing over my life. But now I'm in the midst of a victory in those days. Why is it right now that I've got some bad news? Why is it that I get bad news when I've just had good news? Come on, God, aren't you supposed to be a, good of the, a God of good news? But sometimes God allows things to happen. And in those days, your days right now, 
might be great victory days. But I'm telling you, sometimes in your victory moments, God can allow things to happen that you are not ready for. I don't know what victory days you're in today, but this can happen. You see, I just want you to see this today. Last week we looked at when John the Baptist gets his head took off because uh, he wants to be killed by Herod. And in this time, the villains bring the bad news. Come on, you're coming into this party. This is what's going to happen. But, but get this. In this story, he now gets bad news from God. He now receives bad news from God through prophet Isaiah. He says, verse 1, put your house in order because you're going to die. You're not going to recover. How many of us sometimes find that God will allow, even through godly people, will allow news to come that we didn't expect (laughs) that actually makes us sad and we think, how is it that this can happen in days of victory? Come on. How is it that I can receive bad news in my day of victory in those days? But I want to say to you today that God, even when you're going through difficult seasons, even when you're going through good seasons, He's always the same. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what does, what does Hezekiah do to respond to this? You can walk in the Spirit. You can keep trusting God. But it says he prays. He prays. He prays. And that's what I want to talk about today because his response to this issue is prayer. I want to ask you today, when was the last time you talked to God about your problem rather than people? (laughs) Have you noticed that? We're so good at having a good chat with people about our problems. But sometimes we don't take these things to God. So the reason why is because we're so bent on trying to get a listening here for for someone to to hear our problems and hear them talk back. But some of us need to get into that place where we start to tell God our difficulties, our problems, and the things that are affecting us. He says this in Luke 5.16, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So last week we looked at When Jesus receives the news of John the Baptist, we said he goes to a solitary place. It doesn't say he prayed, but my guess is that if he prays in solitary places, he was praying then. So in his moment of difficulty, in that moment of bad news, he doesn't just retreat into the wilderness, he prays in the wilderness. Amen? It's important for some of us to understand that we can't just retreat to the wilderness, we can't just retreat to solitary places, but not communicate with God. Otherwise, it's pointless. It's important to know that the solitary place requires us to also communicate with him. But some of us, what we find is sometimes is that we, we get into the solitary place and then we start to feel sorry for ourselves. And we don't exercise in prayer. I want to tell you today that the spirit of prayer will always fall on the life of prayer. It will always rest on the life of someone who decides to go into that place and pray. The Spirit of God, the life of prayer will have the Spirit of God upon it. And God is calling maybe you today to respond to some of the things that you're faced with. Maybe there is good, good news or bad news. Whatever it is, give it to God. Whatever's come your way, whatever surprised you, pray to God. I want to look at Three things today in this story that will help you in terms of what prayer can do and what it did for Hezekiah. Number one is this. Prayer turns disruption into devotion. It turns disruption into devotion. Hezekiah, it says, verse 2, turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. He then says this, verse 3. He says, remember, Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Have you noticed what he says? He says this. He gets into that place and he says, remember, God, when I used to be devoted. 
remember God, when I was devoted, I was doing this. I was walking wholeheartedly before you. And he turns his face to this wall. Now, I don't know what that means, but we know this, that when he turns to the wall, what he's doing is he's turning away from distraction. Now, we could also guess that what he might be doing is not only turning from distraction and disruption, but he's also facing towards maybe the wall, maybe towards the temple. We know that that's what happened for Daniel in Daniel chapter 6. He, when he's faced with a problem, when he's faced with a difficulty, and he knows that if he, if he actually trusts God, he's going to be thrown into the lion's den. So what does he do? He faces towards the temple. And so he, he may have been facing towards a temple, but if there's anything, he faces towards the wall. Then he starts to talk about his devotion. I want to just say this to you. You can talk about your devotion and what you've been walking like in your life to God, but God is looking for you to be devoted in prayer. It's not about what you did, it's about what you're doing today. God says, I'm not interested in just what you've done, the record of how, how devoted you were. I want to know how devoted are you with me right now? Because the problem is, that's what we do. Sometimes we're like, if I go and spend time with God, I need to tell him about all the things I did do that was good. You know, I I remember when I used to, I was was like this, I was passionate for you, God. Remember that? Remember that time, that season when I was really on fire for you and I I prayed for the sick and I see people get healed and and I did this and I did that. And God's saying, "I, I know you did those things, but I'm not looking for that kind of devotion now. I'm looking for devotion immediately now. Devotion to me in your disruption of life. I put here that an unexpected disruption in your life can either consume your whole attention or redeem your whole devotion. It can either consume everything. If something happens, how many of you when things go wrong, it can take over your mind? It can so take over your mind that you, you're so focused on the problem that you can't talk to God about the problem because you're so fixated on the problem. Then what happens is you talk to people about the problem. And all it's about is about the problem. So I'm, my, my mind, my attention, and this is where the enemy loves to work, is to get you to fix on the problem, not the God who can fix the problem. And, and, and so what we do is we, 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 we get more disrupted by the problem rather than the fact that God just wants us to cast our anxieties, cast our worries, cast our fears upon him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Daniel's disruption, when he gets this disruption that he's trusting God and he's, he's going to carry on praying, what does he do? You see, that the fact is it says this about Daniel. It says in Daniel 6.3, Daniel was so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. In other words, Daniel received a promotion, but after a promotion, he gets a disruption. Sometimes you can have just the same way. He has a victory season. He he gets this kind of, he distinguishes himself as someone in this victory season. God is doing great things for Daniel. In his trouble as he's captured in Babylon. He's doing great things for him. He's, he's distinguished in this season. But in his time of great season, a disruption comes. What disruption comes? Is that he can be thrown into the lion's den. So what does he do? He doesn't just focus on the fact that, look how good I am. Look that God has distinguished me. Look that God has done this in my life. No, he doesn't focus on the promotion. He focuses on devotion. You can can focus on all the good things that God's done for you. Look, I'm going to get through this season because God did this for me. God did that for me. It's not about the trophies. It's not about what you did for God and how you've been promoted. It's about your devotion to him right now in this season that you go through. And how you respond to him. He prayed three times. I don't know whether he prayed two times before, but he prayed three times now. Daniel, and he presents himself. In fact, do you know what he does? He puts himself in a window so that everyone can see him. He's getting, he's, he's getting even worse. He's not hiding. He's telling you, I'm going to let you see me trust God and pray. And his prayer life becomes exposed. And it's not so that he gets um, another credit or another badge. 
It's because he knows that by doing that, his prayer life is not just lip service, but it's faith. The moment I step to the window, the moment I'm going to put myself in the limelight, that people see what I'm doing. Your prayer life needs to be authentic, amen? It's not about, oh, oh, you know, I've been fasting and praying all day Monday. In fact, some people come and tell me how long they've been fasting sometimes. And it's like they're telling me because they want a reward. Well, well done you. What do you want me to do for you? Take you to McDonald's at the end of the week? Burger King? Look, I mean, I, when I used to pray and fast in work, when I worked in, in an office... I had free dinners every day, so I had the problem every single day. The, the, the people would come up to me at lunchtime, they'd say, are you coming downstairs for dinner? And if I was fasting, I'd say, no. They'd say, what? What is free? Why aren't you having a free meal? And I'd be like, well, and I, I didn't want to tell them I'm fasting because I didn't want to look like I was boasting. I just don't want to eat today. What do you mean you don't want to eat today? You ate yesterday. But I thought if I tell them, I'll, it'll lose its power. The truth is the heart was right. Some people go around telling people, this is, my, this is who I am. This is the kind of prayer life I lead. Look, your heart has got to be in the right place to communicate with God. And to respond with real devotion in disruption. So what does he do? He turns his back on his circumstance. And he turns to the wall. How many of you know you can't really see much when you look at a wall? He turns away from the problem. Some of you right now, what's happening is, you're fighting the problem. And when you turn to the wall, your eyes can't see the problem. Your eyes can't focus on the circumstance. Why? Because by turning to the wall, you're turning to the invisible God. The one who is working on your behalf. And I want to just say to you today, it's a simple thing is this, but some of you right now in this next season, when things come, when, when you get attacked, when news comes that you don't expect, when bad news comes and you don't expect it, now's the time not to try and fight that problem, but to turn from that problem to God. To look to God. Because it's God who has the answers in the midst of your problems. Amen? Jesus said this, Matthew 6, verse 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. It's hard, isn't it, sometimes to go into a place where you don't see anything. So he says, it's the same principle. This is what I'm telling you. He said, what, what Jesus is saying is, when you pray, go into that private place, shut the door, and pray to your Father not, not when you go in this room, you're going to see an angel appear and everything's going to happen and you're going to feel so comfortable because you're going to get so much feeling and so much revelation by seeing something. No, you're going to go into the room. You're going to see nothing. It's going to be like you're facing a wall sometimes. How many of you sometimes feel like you go into the prayer closet and you feel like you're praying and nothing seems to be happening? I'm, I'm staring at the ceiling, God. I'm staring at the wall. I can't feel anything. You're not supposed to feel anything. There's one thing I've learned is this. It's not about how I feel when I go in the prayer closet. It's about what I know when I go in the prayer closet. That the Father who is in there, He's hearing every single word. It might in the natural be hitting four walls and bouncing around the room to you. But listen to me today, that mouth of yours when you speak those words, when you cry out to the living God, God hears your words. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now the devil doesn't want you to hear that. He doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to think that what you're doing is resounding words and it's hitting four walls and never getting anywhere. Oh, that you're, when you speak, it's hitting brass heavens. No, it's not. When you speak, God hears. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Come on. Turn back on your circumstances. If you're turning towards the wall, Hezekiah, he's just got a word from a godly man. 
Get ready. God can bring bad news through godly men. He's just been told, you're going to die. And you're not going to recover. In fact, get yourself ready. At least he had a bit of preparation time. Come on. I was chatting to the family of Pastor Ralph Inskip the other day about the funeral. They said, it was, it's amazing, about a week before, he, was, he seemed like he was preparing for himself to go. That's what godly men are like, isn't it? It sounds like he knew he was going. I think Jesus had already warned him. He even gave his tie to Steve. Come on, he was prepared. He was talking all about his funeral, the hymns he wanted the week before. When we know our God, we're not worried about whether we're going to die or not. He says, put your house in order. This bad news comes. He receives this. But when he receives the news, he could either sit and look at the news. Look at the difference, right? 2 Kings 19, he receives a letter, words of threat from Sennacherib. This is what's going to happen. Don't trust you, God. This is what's happening to you. Letter through the post. It's coming. What does he do? He prays. He sees victory. What does he do now? It's the same thing. God brings bad news through Isaiah, but he doesn't accept the news. He prays about it again. He lays the words down before God again. It's important that what you understand is this. Just just get this today. Is that sometimes God can allow things to happen to see how you'll respond. How devoted to me are you? In, in, the, in the early book, in, in John, in the early chapters, we see that Jesus is at the wedding and his mum says, come on, you can, you can change this water into wine. Come on, I know you can do it. I mean, she must have known something about her son. And what does he say? He says, don't bother me now. It's not my time. My, my hour has not yet come. What does that story show you? It shows you that Jesus cannot be manipulated but his heart can be turned towards a circumstance. So I want to just encourage you today that his heart can turn towards a circumstance for you today. And sometimes God can have allowed things to happen to see your response to him, whether you will pray and give it back to God rather than try and fight your circumstances. You see, I don't know what you're like, but if I try to pray sometimes, I, I try to go, I've tried all sorts of things. I've, I've watched War Room. Has anyone watched War Room? You know, I tried to make a prayer closet. My wife went crazy. Destroyed a room. No, I'm only joking. But I go into a little room and I try and create space. And I've tried all manner of things. Soaking music to try and get my, my mind focused. Then I put a blanket over my head so it's pitch black. Then I'm shutting the windows. I'm trying to get every bit of noise out. When I put the blanket over my head, then I can't breathe. And I think, did God really want me to do this? Then I've tried everything. If you saw me in the prayer closet, I've tried every different posture you can think of. Because I don't know about you, but whatever posture I try, I'm always uncomfortable. I'm always focusing on how I'm sat or how I'm laid. And, 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 and I forget why I'm actually there. The worst thing is, is when I do it and I actually find a good place and I fall asleep. Come on, you know, that's why everyone laughs, because you know that's what happens. But let me tell you, <laughs> come on, Lewis, join, join the sleeping club. The problem is, we do it and then we feel bad. Let me tell you, there's nothing better than falling asleep with Jesus and letting him be in your mind. Falling asleep. Don't worry, it's the heart that counts. It's the heart of your it's how you posture yourself in your heart towards him. Billy Graham said this, it's not the body's posture, but the heart's attitude that counts when we pray. It's not about how you're going to sit in the room. Come on. I've tried soaking music. I get halfway through the soaking music and then YouTube decides to play an advert. I thought Jesus was returning. Just someone selling a Hyundai for a special price this weekend. Goodness me, I thought I'm in the most, most focused place and then all of a sudden, boom, out of the blue. Do you want a Hyundai for 7999 at 30? What? Don't use YouTube. 
But we do. We try all these things to fix our gears. But the, the, the key is this. Turn from distractions. In fact, you know what? I found that actually shutting off the whole soaking thing, just actually just being in the presence, the peaceful presence of God, turning towards that wall which says, I am not going to allow this issue to determine. I'm not going to be a firefighter. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm not going to be someone who's trying to fight the fire of this problem and say, God, come on, help me. Where do I spray the water now? No, I'm going to turn from it so I can't see it and look to God and say, God, will you fight on my behalf? Will you deal with what's behind me? I'm going to let all these things, because I'll tell you what we all do. This is what we do. We don't turn to the wall of devotion. We turn around and we try and hold all these things back. We're like, God, this is terrible. Look at this. He's saying, I'm just telling you to turn around. And we're like, God, but look, you don't understand. It's even worse. I need some help here, please. Send a few angels so I can hold it back. God's like, if you just turn around and let me take care of that. You turn around and let me take care of it. I'm going to show you what I will do. On your behalf. He says, Jesus, go into that private space. Go and see my father is there even though you can't see him. Luke eleven nine says this, knock and the door will be open to you. Can I just say something to you? It's important to learn to shut the door on the world. Shut the door to focus on the wall of devotion. You know what I mean by that? To focus on... Looking away from the issues to close the door. But then Luke 11 says this, that we can knock on another door. So we've got to learn to close the right doors and knock on the right doors. There's some doors that you need to shut in your life that are distracting you from your prayer life. You've got to shut the door, but then God says there's another door. Knock and it shall be open to you. So when you step into the prayer closet, what you do is you step into an opportunity to knock on the kingdom of God. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Some of us think when we go into the prayer closet that it's, this is all, I'm not anyway. We're, we're seated in heavenly, heavenly realms. So when you step into the prayer closet, there's an opportunity for you to knock on another door. Did you know that? Shut the door, the right doors, all the distractions and knock on the door of heaven. Some of us need to learn to do that. To shut out, close the right doors and knock on the right doors. To spend time with him. To listen to what he is saying. Number two, prayer turns devotion into revelation. It turns your devotion into revelation. So when you spend time in devotion to God, let me tell you, get ready for some revelation from Him. If you're going to go into the prayer closet, you're going to gain revelation. Did you know that? God is a God of revelation. He loves to reveal things by his spirit. Acts chapter 2 says this, fulfillment of the Joel 2 prophecy, that the spirit of God will fall upon all flesh. You're going to dream dreams. Come on, let's be a church that says, I want to be receptors to dreams. I want to be receptors to what God is saying in this season, this hour. I want to receive heavenly downloads. Come on, your prayer time sometimes, not about you just going and ticking off and and, and giving lists of problems to God. Let Him deal with the problems behind you. The more you focus on Him, you'll get fresh revelation. The revelation will so much trump the problems behind you. Get this, the problem is what we do is if we take in the problems and we're trying to say, deal with this, deal with that. If you put it behind you and you focus on him, you'll get fresh revelation. Fresh revelation will give you a different perspective on the problem. Yeah? We've got to get fresh revelation from him. He says this, 2 Kings 20 verse 4, Before Isaiah the prophet had left the middle court, this is the palace, the word of the Lord came to him. Verse 5, Go back and tell Hezekiah, The ruler of my people, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. Wow. I don't know about you, but if you're Isaiah, if if you're moving in the prophetic, and Isaiah was a pretty good prophet, wasn't he? 
He's just delivered a word that he really believes is from God. I mean, Old Testament prophets, very different to what it is now. But he delivers this word to Hezekiah and says, you know, he's got to be sure on this word, hasn't he? You know, put your house in order. You're going to die and you're not going to recover. I mean, you've got to be definitely sure that that is from God. He must have been convicted. He gives the word. He delivers the word. And then he leaves the place. Then what does Hezekiah do? He turns to the wall. He gets this terrible word. And he prays to God. And then it says that Isaiah, before he even left the middle court. Boom. What was that? I mean, I've got no idea how he felt that it was a word from the Lord. I don't think he'd had too much cheese. But something happened to him. To make him know, deep down in his heart, everything I have just said has been changed. I've got to go back. I've got to turn around. I mean, he's got to be sure about this because the poor guy has just been told he's going to die. Now I've got to turn around and change this because what I thought was the way it was going to end, it's not the way it's going to end. It's actually different. And let me tell you why it changed. It was because Hezekiah turned to the wall. The moment he turned to the wall, then Isaiah had to turn. You see, get this people, whatever problem you've got today, if you turn to the wall of devotion... If you turn around and look to him and not to the problem, this is what will happen. You will call the attention of God. And just like Isaiah, as Hezekiah would turn to the wall of devotion, Isaiah turns to the call of revelation. Church, I want you to get this because some of you right now are saying, I've had enough of praying. I'm giving up on praying. Do you know that I've, I've been in a season where I've had to pray? A difficult season. And there were times I'd wake up and I'd think, I don't want to pray anymore. Have you had those days? Can't pray anymore. And I I got up one morning and I just thought, I can't pray any longer about this thing. I I go downstairs, I make a cup of tea. Within two minutes of me saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I get a text message from someone in the church. You know who you are. You're here today. And that person texted me and said, don't give up praying. So what did I do? I went and prayed for a couple of hours. And my perspective changed. Can I just say to you, I want to encourage you, text your friends. Begin to encourage each other because God wants us to encourage each other as a body. Unity is not just about coming and shaking someone's hand and having a coffee with them. Unity is about, you know, my friend Greg here, he he keeps passing me little notes of encouragement. I love it. I said to him this morning, I said, some people think that I, I, I don't need any encouragement. I need the encouragement. I need the words. I need God to lift me. And so I'm thanking him today. And, and, and some of the things he said to me have just been absolutely brilliant. That person who texts me, absolutely brilliant. I want to encourage you, keep doing this to each other. Because God will use you. You don't know when you're, when, when you're hearing and you think, I'm going to text that person, whether that person is crying out to God. They're praying and saying, God, I can't take this anymore. I can't deal with this anymore. If you just message them and encourage them, you might just be responding to what God is doing to encourage another. And let me tell you, if you do unto others what you want to be done to yourself, you'll get more of it. If you encourage others, you'll get encouragement because God will send encouragement to you. Amen? Hezekiah, he turns to the wall of devotion. He turns to what's invisible rather than visible. Now, just get this. If he had a window, we don't know if he did, but I'm sure he did. Most rooms have a window. Maybe he was looking over. If, if he was King Hezekiah, he probably could see the courts. But I don't know about you. If I received a bad word from the prophet, I don't know if I want to look at the wall. I want to look out the window and see if he's going to say anything different. Have you ever received a word and you, if you didn't like it, you try and get another word? To counteract the one you've just got that you didn't like. I'm gonna, I, I went to a prophetic conference. I got this word. I thought, I don't really like that one. So I'm going to go to another one to try and get one to counteract the other one. And guess which one you'll choose. Some of the guys here, they, they went with me. We went over to Leicester. We went to a, a, a prophetic event. 
and um, great profit from America's coming, and we're, I'm just like, we're all buzzing, we, we booked the tickets to go over there to hear what the man of God's going to say, there's about 500 people in this room, and I'm like, I need a word, I need a word, everyone needs a word, don't they, I need a word, you don't understand, I need a word, and you know that every one of us guys in the car that day, all were thinking the same thing, I hope I get a word, so we go into the conference, I wore the brightest t-shirt I could find. It had a logo on the front. It said, pick me. I didn't choose it. And then and you sit in the car. And then it's like, where am I going to sit where I'll catch the prophet's attention? And we, well, this is what we do. We sit in the places where we think. And then it's, you know, in the middle of the time when the prophet's just about to say, I just really feel that God is moving and I've got some words. Then we start coughing. <laughs> Maybe stand up and go to the loo just so that in case he sees us. We do everything to get those words. And, and, and I did that. And I, and I tried to get the attention of God. I wanted a word. Why? Because sometimes I get words. I got a word from someone recently. It was amazing. It was so amazing of the describing the situation, circumstances I was facing. About a month, two later, I thought I might just call that prophet again and ask him if he's got another one. I called him up. I waited 24 hours. I said, oh, will you pray for me? Did you just feel the Lord is saying anything else? He come back 24 hours later. He says, no, I don't actually. He said the same thing as he said last time. Are you sure? We want fresh words to counteract other things sometimes. This, look, we're all like this, aren't we, sometimes? We get into this situation where we want God to just give us new fresh words. And so what, what Hezekiah does is, he receives the bad news, but he turns to the wall of devotion and doesn't look to the prophet. So in, in other words, he turns to the invisible God, not the visible prophet. Your best thing to do is when you receive bad news, is not turn to the prophet for another answer. It's to turn to the invisible God, not the visible prophet. So he doesn't, he doesn't shout out the window, Isaiah, are you sure you didn't get that wrong? Come on. Are you sure he said dead? Are you sure he said I'm not going to recover? Come on. Can you just ask again? No. He doesn't do that. He turns to the wall of devotion. Some of us have got to learn what it is to turn away and not trust in prophets, but trust in the invisible God. <laughs> Hallelujah. He chose the wall, not the window. He chose the wall, not the window. And then what happens is this. Because he chose the wall, who calls Hezekiah back? Not uh, Isaiah back. Not Hezekiah, but God. So he doesn't, he's not shouting out the window. Are you sure about that word? No, he's, he's talking to the wall, to God. And then all of a sudden, as he's walking back, verse 5 says this. God says, go back and tell Hezekiah. You see, what God does is if you trust in him and not in man, he will call the right people back and change your circumstances. And so he turns around and he's like, I've got to go back. What a change in a word. I've got to go back and tell him he's not going to die. He's going to add 15 years to his life. He's going to defend him. This guy, he's got a great life ahead of him. I've just told him he's going to die. He's never going to believe me. And he turns around and he goes back to find Hezekiah. And to tell him that word. Listen to me. God hears you. He hears you. I said about when I was saying the other day about um, saying I can't pray anymore. In the same season, I was sat in a room. And I got to a point of breaking. Real breaking. Breaking down. Crying. Can I be honest with you? I, I got to a place of breaking down, crying to God. And I don't know if you've ever been in these places. But as I did, I looked up to the ceiling in the room. And I looked up, and I, just as probably he did, I wept bitterly. And I said this to the ceiling, to the wall. God, where are you? can't feel you. Anything. 
And I wept bitterly. And I looked. I cried. I said, God, where are you? Where? I've served you for years. Where are you now? I'm not, I'm not concerned of crying before you because I'm telling you this is what happened. But listen to this. The moment I did that, another friend in this church texted me. I love phones texting. They can be used for good, can't they? Hang on just while I wipe my eyes. Someone texted me. They're here today too. Thank God for them. Thank God for everyone I mentioned today. And they sent me a text. And it had a scripture. And it said this, Psalm 121. The English Standard Version. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? David writes this, verse 2. My help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Boy, did I need that. And I want to thank the person who did that, but I want to thank the God who hears me. You see, I wasn't just talking to some polystyrene ceiling tiles. I was speaking into heaven. And my father heard me. And he responded to me. And I'm going to tell you, you may not have heard the answer just yet, but he heard you. He saw your tears. He saw you speaking to a wall. And your answer is on its way. My answer come quite quickly. When you look up, God hears you. It was about my heart that day. I didn't have much words to say. But it was what I was saying from the heart. Can I say this? The longer you avoid this kind of devotion, the further you will distance yourself from revelation. You see... Think about this. If Hezekiah had not turned to the wall the moment Isaiah left, Isaiah would have walked further away. He must have turned to that wall pretty quickly in order for him to only get to the middle court and start praying. In other words, when you're faced with a problem, get this, when you're faced with a problem, how quickly do you respond to prayer? The devil wants you to first check the problem out. Why does he want you to do that? Because the, the, the longer you take away from devotion, the further you distance yourself from revelation. So that if he'd have said, oh, I'm just going to hang about in my room a bit and I'm gonna, I might put a bit of worship music on, I might just try and work this out in my head. I'm going to die, I need to get things ready. Oh, I'm going to have to sort that out, I'm going to have to do this, I'm going to have to do that. All the time, Isaiah's walking away. But because he responds immediately, he puts prayer first then it doesn't take long for Isaiah to respond. And I want to say to you, revelation is as close as your devotion. It's as close as you give devotion to him. He's heard your prayers. He prays immediately. What happens next is the moment Hezekiah prays and his situation, as soon as he turns to the wall, his situation turns. He didn't realize it. Do you know that you can be praying for something right now and you think you've not seen it in the natural, but your situation's already turned? Because when Isaiah turned around and set off walking back, his situation had already changed, but he didn't realize it. So there's a time in your prayer life that actually there's a time span where you've prayed and the situation has already been changed in the heavenlies before you've seen it in the natural. What happens is, though, we, while we're waiting for Isaiah to walk back, we give up. (laughs) And I want to just say to you today, it's time to say, when I've prayed and asked, I've got to watch and pray. I've got to keep my eye fixed on what God is doing. If I'm going to pray, I'm also going to watch and trust that God will answer this prayer. God says, when he comes in, he says, on the third day from now, this is what Isaiah says, on the third day from now, you're going to go up to the temple of the Lord. What a word. You just told me I'm going to die soon. You told me it's all over. And then he comes back and he says, I've got a new word for you. In three days from now, you're going up to the temple. You're going to that place, the presence of God. You're going up there. 
And you're going to get 15 years extra life. And God's going to defend you. What? Prayer works. Come on. I'm so glad I looked at the wall and not the window. I'm so glad I turned in the right direction to God rather than to my situation. Because prayer really does work, people. There is power in prayer. It's communication with the living God. Come on. we got to get excited. Stop thinking like it's some ritual thing that you do. That's what the enemy wants you to think it is. It's a ritual. It's not a ritual. It's a relationship with him. He says on the third day, you're going to go up to the temple of the Lord. I want to tell you today that there are some people right now, God, there's a word for you right now. You're in your circumstance and you're saying nothing's happening. In the future, three days from now, in the future, God is going to deliver you. He's going to add to your life. He's going to give you more than you thought. Because he's a God of the impossible. Amen. Hallelujah. Healing's coming for you. Some people need healing. It may not be physical, it may be emotional healing. But healing is coming. He needed healing in his body. And listen, when you trust him, your healing is on its way. It might not have come just yet. It might not have manifested just yet. But healing is coming. Right now, God, I pray you'll touch bodies in this room. May healing come right now. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. See, in John chapter 2, verse 14, when Jesus instigates this miracle of changing the water into wine, he's moved, isn't he? He's changed. So what happens is the situation changes, and he's not manipulated. He's caught into the situation, and he says, I want to respond. So I'm not going to leave you with water. I'm going to give you wine. I want to tell you today that some of you are in a situation where all you've got left is the waters of life and there's nothing left. You've, there's no richness left. God says, if you pray to me, I want to change the water circumstances you've got into the richness of my wine. But I want you to bring it to me. Don't think that I'm not bothered about the little details in your life. Because I am. Pray to me. Finally, I come to a close. Number three, prayer turns revelation. I changed it actually to confirmation. Realization is one thing, but actually confirmation. Prayer, it turns revelation into realization, but a confirmation of what God wants to do. King Hezekiah said this, What will be the sign that the Lord will heal me? So now, he's got this word of revelation that it's coming The fulfillment of something's coming. But he says, what's the sign? Can you tell me what the sign is that the Lord's going to heal me? How many of us want, we love confirmations, don't we? We You get a word, you need a confirmation then. I like revelation, but I like confirmation. Confirmation seals the deal for me. But the trouble is many of us get a confirmation. We need another, another confirmation. That the confirmation was the confirmation. Don't we? You, do, you know it. You get revelation. You want How many confirmations do you want? I need another confirmation. <laughs> what will be the sign? I mean, he's just been praying. He, he, isn't it enough that Isaiah's just turned around, come back and said, you don't even realize what's just happened to me in the outer court. In the middle courts, I was walking across. God just spoke to me, told me everything I've just told you is wrong. It's changed. What, what's happened? Well, I was looking at the wall praying. Well, this is what's happened. Well, can you just tell me, is this definitely right? Can we just get a confirmation here? I know, let's do this. What confirmation? Can we? So he asked for a sign. He says, I need a sign that this is definitely right. That the Lord's going to heal me and I'm going to go up to the temple on the third day from now. Let me tell you what happens right now. He's just been given a word that says something's going to happen in the future. So he says, this is what's happening three days from now. Okay? I'll tell you what happens right now. And this is what happens for you if you receive a word of something about your deliverance from a problem 
in the future that God is going to restore you. He's going to do greater things to you. This is what happens. If you get words about the future, your eye is on the clock. What it is. If someone says to you, I just see you moving in this particular way. God is going to just do amazing things through your life. It's coming. It's not just yet. There's a deliverance coming from you, but you're just not, your character needs a bit more work. God is going to do this in, I see you in years to come. God's going to do this. He's going to do that. So what do you do as a man and woman of God? Your eye goes on the clock. You're thinking, I need to, I need to see this happen. And what happens is this. Some of us, what we do, we now take our eyes off God and on the clock. So you take your eye off what God wants to do, and that's have relationship in that time, because you're so fixed on the clock. Three days from now, you're going to have this. You're going to have that. Well, give me a sign then. Give me a sign. I want a sign. He's got his eye on the clock. Three days from now, I just need a sign. I need more. I was, I was down in Cambridge just a few weeks ago, and we get our children's school shoes every year. They get just one pair. It lasts them a year. You know what it's like. And my wife said to me, will you go and sort the shoes out? And I've never done this before. It's an amazing thing. The, the, the amount of people in the summer holidays in these shoe shops buying kids' school shoes. And I, I take them into to the shoe shop in the center of Cambridge. And, and it's a new experience for me. And I walked in. And, uh, and I walked up and they said, uh, I said, can we, just, can we get some shoes? I said, I'm sorry, sir. You need to press the button and get a ticket. I said, ticket? I came for shoes, not a ticket. He said, press the button, you get a ticket. You'll get your turn. So I, I pulled the ticket out. The kids are like, they're hanging off, off me with their iPads, and it's just getting, it was crazy. The amount of kids in this room. I never thought buying a pair of shoes for a pair of kids was so hard. I know now why Emma sent me. And so I'm stood there, the, the, honestly. The, the, it, it was hot, sweaty. There's kids running around screaming. I thought, I can't believe this. Couldn't we just gone to Tesco's? I don't care what size they are as long as they've got a pair of shoes on. I get the ticket. I'm looking. And, and, and up on the wall was a red clock. It said, your number on my ticket, 79. And then on the clock at, at the top, it was on 72, I think, or something like that. Now, I'm telling you, this clock was moving very slow. Very slow. And I'm looking, it's 72, and, you know, if you go to McDonald's, it goes pretty quick, doesn't it? If you're waiting for your number, you, you know, you, sometimes you order it, it comes before you've ordered it. Like they, they, this one was slow. 72, 79 on my ticket. So I'm stood there, the kids are like, Dad, when are we going to get the shoes? I'm like, get the shoes, we haven't even got got our place yet and so people are there and milling around and, and halfway through they come out and, they, and, and it comes over they said number 70, 73 <laughs> number 74 and it's going through and I'm, I'm thinking 79 come on get to 79 and then all of a sudden on the floor I spotted <laughs> number 75 <laughs> what a find it was an abandoned 75 on the floor. You know the moments when you know you've seen something, but no one else has seen it. And I was looking at number 75. It was shining with all its glory. 79, 75, 79, 75, 72. And I'm looking, and I realized that I could jump the queue by picking the ticket and changing from 75 to 79. I could swap them round. If I just did it quick, you know, just went to tie my shoelace and pick it up and swap them. The problem was I knew that if I did that, I would jump ahead of someone else. And my eye was on the clock. And what we do is when we receive words from God, we try to jump the clock. We try to jump ahead if we're not careful. And I want to show you something that Hezekiah does here. He doesn't respond in this way. You see, his future promise requires faith and patience to see its deliverance. 
Isaiah answered him this. When he says, I want a sign, he says, this is the Lord's sign to you. That the Lord will do what he has promised. Shall the shadow go forward ten steps or shall it go back ten steps? It's a simple matter for the shadow to go forward ten steps, said Hezekiah. Rather, have it go back ten steps. And then prophet Isaiah called on the Lord. And the Lord made the shadow go back the ten steps. It had gone down on the stairway of Ahaz. This is, let me tell you if you didn't get this, this is the stairway of a sundial that King Ahaz, his father, had there. And so this stairway showed that when the sun was going down and moving around, that the shadow would move down this staircase. So Hezekiah, this was Hezekiah's clock. So when he said three days from now, his eye was on the clock. His eyes were on the stairs. This is the timeline. The more that shadow moves down these steps, time is passing to my deliverance and my healing. My victory, my breakthrough is actually, the more that shadow moves down, it's moving me forward to that promise from God. So his eye is on the clock. But what does he respond? He says, he's got an option now. You can ask God to give you a sign. And he will respond. And so, I don't know about you, but I, I, when I saw this, I thought, why, did, why didn't Hezekiah ask for the shadow to move forward and move quicker rather than going back in time, which is impossible? Why did he ask for it to go back in time rather than forward? Because if he asked for it to go forward, it will move him quicker to his deliverance. It will spur him on. And I'll tell you what he did. He asked for it to go back for one reason. It was an impossibility in the natural. But secondly, this shows it was more about his relationship with God that was important than his deliverance. Because he was, listen, this is a person who's ill. I don't know about you, but if you're ill and you go on antibiotics for a seven-day treatment, if you get halfway through four days in, you don't want to take a step back and say, actually, I'll go back two days. He was going back in time to suffer longer. In other words, he says, I'm more interested in not looking at this clock for my deliverance and my promotion and everything I'm going to get from this. I want to focus on the God I serve in this difficulty. So, ask for it to go back. Ten steps instead. And so what he does is he makes actually life harder for himself. But it proves his faith in God. God is looking for you to take your eye off the clock and look to the one who is in charge of time. He's the Alpha and the Omega, as we sang earlier. Amen? If he's the Alpha and the Omega, he's in charge of time. It's more interesting to, to focus. It's, more, it's greater for you to focus on the one who's orchestrating time rather than time itself. You can get so fixed on when's God going to get me out of this problem Romans 12 verse 12 says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. I'll say that again. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. If the worship team want to come back, that'd be great. He sees these steps. He says, I've just got a word from you that tells me in this time this is going to happen. I've been praying for breakthrough. My breakthrough is in three days time. But what I want you to do is, is take time back. I want you to take the time back because I'm not concentrating on my deliverance. I'm concentrating on the God who delivers. And that's who I believe in today. That's who I want to focus on today. Can I just say this? that We serve, just get this, we serve a God of the past and the future, and today. You see, what happened is the moment he sees this shadow move, he realizes that God is in charge not only of his future, but his past. You cannot walk into the future God has for you unless you realize that God can deal with your past. Jesus is the answer to the shadow of your past. And the light of your future. Jesus 
is the answer to the shadow of what you've got in your past. Some of you are saying, what I'm doing is I'm living in the shadow of my past. These are my steps I'm living in. He says, I want you to know that I can control time. I can control time. I can make light shine on your shadows. I can shift things back. I can bring brightness and life into where your shadows and your darkest moments have been. And I want to tell you today, some of you right now, you're struggling with maybe sickness. Maybe you're struggling with things in your past. But I want to tell you some good news today. That God is the God of your past and your future. Hallelujah. Maybe a shadow's cast over those steps that you've taken. You're saying, I'm concentrating now on, on the steps I've taken. I'm concentrating on the past. I'm concentrating... I'm concentrating on my illness, my sickness, my, my thing that I've got wrong. I'm concentrating with this, this bad news. I'm concentrating on that shadow of everything that's going on. But he says, look, if I can shift the shadow up and down the steps, I'm in control of everything. Everything. Do you know the world, if you don't, if you don't surrender to the Alpha and the Omega, the, the God who is in charge of time, do you know what you, you're, all you rely on is the time ahead of you now. But I'm glad that I serve a God that's dealt with my steps behind. That he has dealt with, that he can shine light on my shadows of the past. He can say, my righteousness is your righteousness. You think that you have failed me. You think that the things that have gone on in the past, you think it's all gone wrong. I can shine light on anything. Because I am the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. We serve a God who lights up steps. Hallelujah. I don't know whether your steps are in the shadow today or they're in the light. Wherever you find yourself on your journey, he says, I can shine light on any direction of your life. Stop letting the devil focus you on the problem behind you. Let me shine on everything you have. Psalm 37, 23, and I finish with this. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. In other words, he delights in your past, your now, your future. He delights in everything and he will order your steps past and present and future. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.